what is your strategy? Are you going to bootstrap? Are you going to go find angel investors, then venture capital? What What is it that you want to do? And I think that that's really important early on. And then you need to revisit it every so often. Welcome to Latinx Scan, a podcast showcasing Latinx professionals who turn their dreams into realities. I'm your host, La Doctora Jenire Flores Delgado, and today I'm here with Dr. Elisa Teipel, an engineer and entrepreneur who shares with us the things she wished she knew before becoming an entrepreneur. And she is here to tell you, si se puede, my friends, si se puede. You've been an entrepreneur for about a decade, and I'm sure it has been challenging. What are some of the things that you wish you knew about entrepreneurship when you first started and that you can share with our audience now? I was, at, I was on an, actually in an NSF pa panel, uh, National Science Foundation panel last week or so. And the same question was asked. And I was like, oh, that really is, it's a key question because I think with entrepreneurship, if I would have known when I first started that it was going to be this hard, I would have still done it, but I think I would have probably prepared a little differently. You know, there's a really high cost to being an entrepreneur. I think there's a lot of glamour in it. You know, my best friend jokes, she she tells me often, she says, oh, you're so lucky you work for yourself. Like you, you're, you know, you started a business, a company and, and you're a co-founder and you're so lucky you get to put your own hours and stuff. And I'm like, you're right. I get to put my own hours, but they're long hours. Yeah. There is a high cost to my family, to my even to my health, I hate to say it, but sometimes even to my health. So there's a high price for that. Also, you do lose a lot of your freedom because you have freedom. It's, it's really strange. It's like you on the outside, it looks like you have a ton of freedom because you're starting something on your own, but you have a lot gets taken away because you have to be so devoted to it. And so mm. I don't complain though. I, I love it. And I, I just, they're just realities that comes with it. But I think the the end result and the every day to day is so rewarding. So even though there's a high price and that even though that you don't have as much freedom as you might think, there is just this complete devotion and this like this beauty that comes of it. And I, and I do joke many times and say, it is like my first child. You know, I have, I have three mm -hmm. children, but, but this mm -hmm. is like my first before the, the biological children. Right. <laughs> really is like my first child and it's, it's hard, but it's been really rewarding. The oldest one. It's probably a teenager right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It feels that way. So let's talk a little bit about funding, right? I think funding is one of those things that is so critical for entrepreneurship. And mm, I don't know, I, I know very, very little about it. But with a few of the people that I've talked to, it seems like it's a really difficult area to navigate. Can you help us understand how the funding works throughout your years of experience? I understand that this may only be applicable to your experience, but at least it's a good example. I was going to say, too, just connecting the bridge from funding to like lessons learned. So uh, other funding opportunities to think about are if you're in school, whether that's high school, 
undergrad or graduate school, there are many opportunities on, on the funding side and, and to start a business. When you can pitch, you can do pitch competitions, business pitch competitions. You can get live feedback and also just practice, practice your story, practice how to tell your story. Yeah. Also funding side grants. So the way we started Ascentium, yes, we had some investment, but really we had an NSF grant that helped us get started and joint development agreements, working with other, once you have an idea, working with a company that would want to like, you know, see that through and, and put in some money into, into making the idea come to life. And so I think those are, those are some ways to get, you know, funding specifically, I think on the funding side, bootstrapping, angel investors, really building a strategy where you are going out there and meeting and putting yourself, you're going to hear, you have to hear the word no so many times and realize that no just means let me ask it a different way mm. or no just means let me try to explain it in a different way mm. you know because if you just hear no and you turn around you're it's, it's not going to work you, you got to hear no and say how do I get to yes one of my one of my good friends that I've met and worked with over the past couple of years always says how do we get to yes and I, I use that every day how do we get to yes when I hear no it's like okay how do we get to yes so as far as funding, I would say really the bootstrapping the angel for sure, but but really looking at those grants and opportunities, what's out there. There's the small business and research grants that are available through the NSF research innovation grants, mm-hmm. uh, bar grants that are available when you're working with the university and you know the DOD, the DOE, lots of the government agencies have grants because they want to support innovation for Team USA and for um you know, the local inventors in the country. Mm -hmm. And can you help us understand, because I I know nothing really about this, what is the difference between bootstrapping and angel investors, for example? Great question. So bootstrapping is where you are putting in your own money or you are just using your, your own funds and or paying yourself and or paying yourself very little. And you're just like, you're hanging on tight. That's the term bootstrapping. You're strapping your boot tight and you're just Mm. like, trying to be very conservative with the cash and just trying to spend little. So when we started a company, I, the amount of compensation I was making was tiny, mm-hmm. tiny, tiny. And it was nothing like what I could be making in industry with a master's mm-hmm. or a PhD, mm-hmm. but it was okay because I knew I had some, some equity in the company. I knew that it was for a short season. And so that's the bootstrapping side. The angel investor is a type of investor. It's, it's a high net worth individuals or a group of individuals that come together and they invest seed funding, typically in the tens of thousands to low hundred thousand, sometimes million dollar, you know, seed money. And so those are typically how you start. Venture capital is where you start to go into the hundreds of millions and, and that's a lot more funding. But to start, I would say the bootstrapping and the angel investors, you know, friends and family type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what you typically see in an angel investor. Okay. And then you also mentioned having a strategy of maybe how you're going to pursue funding. Do you have any advice as to how to look at coming up with a strategy? Yeah. So I think one of the things that you have to, you know, and I, I think you see it, if, you, if any of you have seen Shark Tank, the show Shark Tank, yeah, the, someone will go on the show and they'll have an idea and they'll say, I want some funding for my idea to make my idea come true. I need $300,000 or whatever. And then the shark will say, 
okay, for 30% of your company, I'll give you 300,000. And the other says, Mm. for 20% of your company, I'll give you 400,000 and let you have a say in it. Or the one will say, well, I want 90% of your company or I'm not doing anything. And so I say all those extremes to say, when I talk about an investor strategy, as a co-founder and as an entrepreneur, you need to be comfortable and really understand what does it mean when you take someone else's money? Mm. Do you give up control? How much? How much equity do you keep? How much is it worth? How much are you going to be worth in five years, 10 years? Where do you accept the funding and what are the terms? Don't just take money without knowing the terms and not understanding them. I think that's something that any entrepreneur will tell you and I'll, I'll tell you myself is that you really have to understand it. And I, and I think that's something that entrepreneurs don't know enough of. I know I certainly didn't and, I, and I've learned a lot over the years. Right. And so I think that one of the, one of the best things you can do for yourself is to investigate and start finding out what terms are you comfortable with? What is your strategy? Are you going to bootstrap? Are you going to go find angel investors, then venture capital? Do you want to stay a private company? Do you want to be a partnership? What What is it that you want to do? And I think that that's really important early on. And then you need to revisit it every so often. It's not necessarily that you're going to have an answer every single, you know, day, yeah. or it's going to be sorry, you're not gonna have an answer for 10 years, but you can at least be planning for that. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned very lightly the topic of your own compensation, right? As a as an entrepreneur, as a co-founder. And I wonder if you can help us understand like how how or, or where what strategies are out there or maybe what strategies do you use to keep your head above water while you're really you know, the the focus of your work is maybe not having plentiful salary, but really growing the company? Yeah, you have to be very future focused, I think, with entrepreneurship, especially if you're in in a tech startup. I used to look around sometimes, and this is where it gets dangerous, I would look around to see maybe a friend or someone would invent a gadget or something very that was very like consumer, like a water bottle, and they could sell that immediately. And I'm thinking here, I'm trying to build nanocellulose composites that are not going to be ready for 10 years. <laughs> and I cannot see the fruit of my labor right now, or I'm trying to build a new material or et cetera. And so you really have to almost keep those blinders on like a horse, you know, like walking through and not look around too much to see like, why am I not doing when I'm, why am I not? It really, you have to stay focused and say, okay, I'm on a marathon and I'm going to, there's going to be key wins along the way, but I have to pace myself to know that I'm going to, I'm going to get there. So if you can get a a minimal viable product, you know, an MVP out sooner than, you know, a year, two years, five years, then that's what you want to do. But sometimes it takes a little bit longer. So I think pacing, And then just realizing like, yeah, you know, part of being a founder is that there is some compensation for you if it goes well. And that's part of what gives you that desire to keep going. It also is what gives you that, you know, that forward looking reward to say, okay, I'm working hard now. It's high risk, but the reward is high. And if you have a high salary now, but aren't doing something like that, then you're like, okay, well, my I'm getting my reward now. And my my future maybe is not as big as if someone was doing an entrepreneurship role. And that's okay. There aren't that not one isn't better than the other. They're just different. And you have to be comfortable with that if you're an entrepreneur. Thanks for sharing that. I think this is very important to at least have an idea of what it looks like, right? So that you can 
know and understand what you're getting into before actually committing to it. Today, your title is Chief Development Officer and Co-Founder of Ascentium. And you have another co-founder or, or many other co-founders, but one of them is your spouse, Blake Typel, right? What is it like to found a company with your spouse and how do you guys balance that relationship? Yeah, always access. When you when you work with your spouse, there's always access <laughs> to the other spouse. So I guess that's a plus. But to answer your question, so... Yeah, it's it's really honestly it's really special. It really is. You know, we both have a high tolerance for risk, so mm -hmm. it's it's almost a good thing because I think it's allowed us to really thrive in the ecosystem. It's been a really good experience in that we both are very driven and both are willing to give it our all. And because we're both willing to give it our all and we're working towards the same thing in that respect, it's made it really easy. If he has to work late or I have to work late or we have meetings or have travel, we're very understanding and sympathetic about it and, and supportive, I should say, not sympathetic, but supportive mm -hmm. to each other. Now, the challenge comes the you know, I would be remiss to say that it's easy. It's not easy, especially early on. I think both Blake and I are, are naturally what I would say have personality of, of wanting to lead and wanting to. And mm, so mm -hmm. I think learning to like when to listen, how to become better listeners, like that's really something that we've both grown in. And then I think just in general, like the dynamics to our family, it means that when we're both working at the same job and the same company, while it's really good in some ways, in some ways it's hard because we never can turn off, right? We're right. both always mm -hmm. talking about work and stuff. So I think that's one of the challenges is just that we we love, honestly, it is our hobby. We love it so much. We don't stop talking about it. So we actually have to like remind ourselves, well, it's okay to take breaks sometimes and, you know, and balance a little bit more. But overall, it's, it's honestly been so amazing. And we got a compliment actually two times, two instances that really stood out to me about comments that people have made about the dynamic that Blake and I have working together. A few years back, we wanted to ask someone to be on our board. And he found out that Blake and I were married. And he said, you know, when there's a startup, and it's a husband wife combination, it either goes one of two ways, it goes ridiculously well, and it's amazing, or it goes horribly wrong and it goes horribly wrong more than it goes ridiculously well mm -hmm. and he's like but I'm optimistic you know and that was six years ago that we met that that person and it's been it's it really has been the case that we've been able to work together really well and bring out the best in each other and I think that's really special additionally we we met someone not too long ago and and this person said a similar comment of like really just encouraged about the way that Blake and I he he saw Blake and I working together and 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 thought that that was really special to see that the combination the duo of really understanding each other but really being all focused on the company so from that standpoint it's really neat to have those comments from the outside coming mm -hmm. in because I think on the day to day the grind can get really hard and you're tired and we have two young children that we Are, are taken care of and it's like it, it's a lot I'm not gonna lie it's a lot but it's it is really it is really rewarding yeah and so recapping of all the titles and all the hats that you wear right like you have two young children you are the co-founder of a company you're also the chief de developer officer of that company uh, you're a daughter you have your parents as well like 
what what is one piece of advice that you have to just, you know, help get through it? You know, I know that it's not easy and I know that it's more for me, it's more like an equilibrium where, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's not a balance. I, I, I one time heard this from a professor in nuclear chemistry where she said, you know, everybody talks about work life balance, but it's not really a work-life balance. It's never perfectly balanced. It's an equilibrium. When somebody something takes a little too much, you know, something else has to sacrifice for a little bit, but you're always mm -hmm. striving to find that equilibrium. Oh, that's so good. Definitely. It's, it's, uh, it's the case. I think when people, I've heard people say, you can have it all or you can have all things. And I just don't believe that's true. Like something's got to give mm. in order for... If you work more, you sleep less. If you, if you, if you eat more, you're less healthy. If you, mm -hmm. you know, if you are in too many meetings, you're not spending time with your kids. Like it, it, so really there is no way to balance. It's just, it really is that equilibrium. I, I, I think that the difference in the wording, in the, it makes a lot of sense. You know, for, for me, I, I've just come to see what happens when you don't. I mean, there's times if I, if I realize I'm not sleeping enough, then I get sick a lot easier. Mm. Or, you know, if I, if I have a lot of deadlines coming up and I don't prioritize time with the, my kids, then my kids, you know, will say, oh, you're, I'm missing you or I want to see, you know. And so you realize, wow, I, I really have to do that. Or even Blake and I, you know, we get so used to working together mm. that we have to make time. Oh, let's go grab dinner or let's just go grab a Starbucks or something, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's just finding little ways to, to do it, but, but not tricking ourselves to thinking like we're ever going to reach this perfect balance. I think that that's, I think that could set you up for a failure. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, at least I think, mm -hmm. it could. I think that, that it, it puts on too much expectation. It's just good to realize that when you're out of, out of an equilibrium from one area, just recenter and figure out, okay, what, could I do differently or what could I give up less to do more of and vice versa? And just finding that for some seasons, one is going to be higher than another and it happens. And, and that's the other thing you have to be comfortable with seasons, but be watching yourself. Like you might say, you know, for the longest time I used to say, Oh, I'm only going to do this or that or that. And then I never did it. And mm. I realized, Oh, it's because I keep saying I'm going to do it and I don't do it. So finally, when you say, okay, I'm going to go to bed at 10, then, okay. 10 at 9 30 I better start getting ready to go to bed at 10 mm -hmm. otherwise I'm not going to do it you know and so things like that where you have to be again back to the how we start a conversation proactive and realizing mm -hmm. that you can do a lot of things and you can have a lot of fun but it's impossible to do everything well something's got to give mm -hmm. um something's got to give and I think for Blake and I that's something we've really realized even in in our lives and our careers is that we want to be really good parents too and so I think that we, while yes, we want to be great entrepreneurs, number one thing for us is we want our kids to remember us as, hey, our, we had a really good parents. You know, mm -hmm. that to me means more than being remembered as a good entrepreneur. Thank you for listening. If you want to put a face to the voices you just heard, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at LatinxCan. If you have questions or feedback, you can email us at latinxcan at gmail.com. And if you want to support our project, please leave a review. We have made it easy for you and added the links to the show notes. That's it for now. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And remember, unidos somos más. <laughs>